May I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, in our epistle reading, we hear the culmination of one of Paul's confrontations of the Corinthian church. This one is regarding common cultural practices to Gentiles that some in the Jewish community considered sin. It involved eating meat. It will sound strange to us in our now, but it had to do with meat that had been offered to idols. Is it really okay to eat? Offerings and various gods were normal cultural stuff then. Paul's confrontation is more about clear conscience and love than leftover meat. He does not seem to care about the point of their contention, but that they have contention. As was common during the formation of the early church, in this Corinthian church, there are not only Christian Jews, but Gentiles, non-Jewish Christians, a wide range of culture coming together. It was hard, and they were not getting along. In the first three verses, Paul is establishing a common connection to Israel's wilderness experience and the Corinthians' current experience. Casey Thompson, in his essay on this passage, writes, Paul is arguing that Christ has always been present to the Israelites, even in the Exodus, by means of baptism by Moses, a communion through heavenly bread, and a rock rock that followed them and provided for their thirst. Paul uses the word all five times in these first few verses of our reading. All were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. As Paul does this, he is contrasting their common spiritual experiences with the -the off-the-charts behaviors of sin that took place in the wilderness wanderings, and that came with great consequence. This reading may be considered a bit of a family intervention. Everyone is together, and Paul has something to say. And Paul is using the big ones, the big regrets, the big mistakes, the big consequences, to highlight the need for change. It is here that our flavor of Lent might be challenged a bit. So far, we have been finding our way in a personal approach of reflection and action. But here, we see the power and the responsibility of our corporate life together. We are reminded the Christian life is hard sometimes, demands on us. We are also reminded that relationships take work. Paul's startling point made by the Exodus experience and this early church intervention, which may be as well part of our present experience, is that shared spiritual practices do not shield us from sin. And our individual sins may have consequences in the lives of those around us, friends, family, the church. We see here Paul getting people's attention by using by listing stuff, because we tend to measure things, the big stuff, our behaviors, our sins. But we hear the opposite about sin in our gospel reading. Jesus is being told of a couple of violent and awful things that have happened, and he cuts through measuring sin. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others, he asked? And then continues, I tell you, 
Repent or you will perish as they did. Sin is sin and needs repentance. The word Paul puts down to describe the sin around the Corinthians of eating or not eating is idolatry. Idolatry. Thompson further asserts, when idolatry is put in the language of family systems, which basically is what the church is, a family, idolatry, he writes, is a profound addiction that adversely inhibits our whole family, the church. What we do not hear today is the on-ramp of this confrontation. The Gentiles have joined the church and there are behaviors they bring to the table in cultural life that offend the Christian Jews. And there are strong opinions the Christian Jews hold that are offending the Gentile Christians. Additionally, as these groups mingle, they begin to appropriate sin from each other, kind of learning new sins. Oh, that's a great idea. Some is a matter of perspective in our humanness, and some is sin from God's perspective. Paul's exhortation for this Humility and fidelity to Christ alone. Humility and fidelity to Christ alone. Paul writes, So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. Our pride can take us to places so that we begin living outside of the truth we know. It is slippery. We need to be aware, and more than aware, to be humble. We are not always right. Our behaviors for the sake of another may need to change. Our opinions may not be true or best for the community. These are big parts of Paul's point today. Our limitations are so powerful. Even with the profound spiritual practices and experiences we share, we are prone to idolatry. We are likely to unintentionally affect the lives of those around us, in ways that are hurtful and damaging. It is humbling to consider. It is here we may be encouraged by the power of fidelity to Christ alone, above nationality, above culture. Our passage ends today with a bold reminder of our reality. No testing has overtaken you. In the Greek, the, more, the word is more directly translated to temptation. No temptation has overtaken you, that is not common to everyone. Everyone. God is faithful and God will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Remember, I shared a quote with you last time we were together. You may not remember it. I'll remind you. From Heinrich Arnold, he creatively used the word picture of a leaf making its way through a patch of underground stream to describe temptation. Temptation is like a leaf in a stream traveling underground until it reemerges. Those things we put in our heart and mind travel in us, percolate in us, until they are shown in the moment of encounter. Like those times we say, I don't know what came over me. That was so out of character for me. These things simmer in us and they come out for good or for ill. This verse may communicate that if we individually grit our teeth, we can conquer any temptation, keep the leaf from re-emerging. But we must keep it in context. The you here is plural. Paul is writing a plural you to the church, the whole parish at Corinth. Our corporate life, being together, 
helps us battle temptation. Not in isolation, but in our mutual influence over each other's lives. Or, as it did with the Corinthians, our life together helps us sin more. We must also note this verse says we can endure temptation. That's not a magical relief statement. It's a bearing up, being under the weight of something that will pass. Could be hard. Could take time. Our corporate fidelity to Christ fosters our endurance. Our corporate fidelity to Christ fosters our endurance. A powerful thought in days filled with hard news. Mark Hopper, in reflection on this passage, exhorts readers and poses a question. He writes, a significant part of the Lenten call to reflection should engage us at the level of community life. How does our life and practice facilitate or hinder the broader development of the church's mission? Worth pondering. May we grow in our understanding of the gift and power of our community, as well as our responsibility to it in our Lenten journey together. Humility and fidelity to Christ alone. Amen.